Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Cracked Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods. Or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today welcome to oh, hey great shot it's the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we've got a special edition of The Deciding Point, our weekly breakdown of all the action that happens across the Division I college tennis world. Now, of course, college tennis fans everywhere are well aware of this fact. The NCAA tournament, it starts this weekend. And here today on Monday, in about an hour, we'll know what 64 teams will be competing this weekend, where everyone's headed, what the draw is going to look like. It is going to be a very fun week for college tennis fans. As such, we know it's our obligation here at Crack Rackets to help prepare all of you for the impending action. As such, again, Busy week for us here at Cracked Rackets. We'll have a live show for you each and every day leading up to the start of Friday's NCAA action here on today's show. It's going to be myself, Chris Hallioris, John Parsons, and a couple of special guests along the way, A, previewing what to expect on today's selection show. Of course, that means explaining the selection criteria for this event, how these draws are ultimately selected by the NCAA committee. It's not as simple as looking at the rankings. One plays 16, you know, 64 travels here. We'll explain everything that goes into how this draw is made. Of course, then we got to do a little bit of live reaction to the draw as it comes out. And of course, the men's selection show, I believe, beginning at 6 p.m. 
p.m. Eastern time. I'm not clear for me if the women is 6.15 or 6.30. Nevertheless, all of that action going to be covered here on today's selection show. And again, John Parsons is going to be joining us at the top of the hour as those draws are released to offer our initial reaction. But of course, if you're talking about the mechanics of the NCAA draw, how the rankings work, how the travel guidelines work, all of the minutiae that goes into putting together this event, there is only one person you can turn to to help steer the ship. He's the man joining me on this special Crack Rackets NCAA selection show. Of course, he's a man we pejoratively referred to here as the professor, and that's the only name I'm going to give him here today as I've asked him to put on his backwards professorial hat and explain everything that we're about to see unfold over the next hour. Of course, he's the man behind collegetennisranks.com, a resource all of us have been turning to over the past 48 hours and our friend here at Crack Rackets. A man I've badgered for what, two out of my four and a half, five hour drive home yesterday from Madison. Our friend Chris Elioris. Chris, hey, great shot. I feel like in you know national holidays, you probably celebrate July 4th. I know you celebrate Thanksgiving just because it's an excuse to have the Mississippi State team. I'm pretty sure you follow tax day guidelines, although not 100% sure. Uh, but I know I feel like this is your holiday. This is your Super Bowl, the day of days. I mean, I don't know if I'd call it a holiday. And I'd say those couple hours on your drive home just gave me respite from replying to all the uh, coaches <laughs> and players that were that were hammering me for the last four or five days about, uh, you know, what do we need to happen to get in or, or, you know, what's, what helps us the most, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, certainly today is uh, the culmination of that and will feel like uh, a nice relief tomorrow when I don't have to answer all those questions anymore. Yeah, it's, again, going to be a, a fun day, certainly a fun next couple of hours for us. And again, what we want to do here on today's show is explain that selection process, because as Chris has alluded to, uh, we have both been fielding a couple of questions. And I apologize. There were a couple of coaches I forgot to respond to. I got caught up in all of the Big Ten Conference action, which may get overlooked uh, simply because, again, we've got the NCAA tournament coming up upon us. But I was in Madison for the Michigan Wolverines victory over Ohio State. And if the over-under for you was in the first 10 minutes you hit, of course, I had to bring that match up. But we're going to put that to the side for now. And again, focus on what we'll see unfold today. The NCAA Selection Committee going to unveil the 2022 NCAA Tournament Bracket for both the Division I men and women. How is it going to work for those of you who are perhaps newcomers to the college tennis world? There are 16 host regions here for the first two rounds of the NCAA Tournament. Those top six teams, top 16 seeds going to play host to three other schools who will come to their event and again, play the first and second rounds of the NCAA tournament. Those matches going to be played Friday, Saturday, Sunday here this weekend. Then the following weekend is that NCAA Super Regional. It's back, folks. Last year, due to COVID, round of 16 all played at one site. This year, that round of 16 is going to be played and hosted by the top eight seeds now again that's why this seeding is so important if you're a top eight seed you get to host the first three rounds of the ncaa tournament top 16 just the first two top eight first three of course then once we reach the quarterfinals everyone will descend upon champagne for what is always arguably the best week and a half 10 days 14 days of tennis uh, uh, of the year with all of that said 
there's a lot that goes into just beyond those top eight, top 16 seeds. You look at how we're going to fill out each of those 16 regions, four teams in each region. Some of that determined by ranking others determined by the travel matrix with that in mind, Chris, let's get into today's show. And of course, a shout out as always to our friends at swing vision uh, for their support of everything we do here at crack Rackets. I do want to say for those of you listening to this in podcast form the next day, and I apologize to those of you joining us live, you may want to fast forward through the first 35, 40 minutes of this show as we're not going to be able to see and talk about the current NCAA bracket until it comes out. But for now, let's talk about the selection process, Chris. And I want to turn things over to you here now, because there are a lot of criteria that go into determining who is playing where. Talk us through all of that. Let's start first again, top eight, top 16, how that's determined. Yeah, for the most part, the the committee will use, they'll use as input the ITA rankings. So they'll take those ITA rankings for the top, you know, probably looking at top as far as 17 or 18, right? Because what they then do is they evaluate all of those teams, uh, especially when they go down the list in order on some criteria uh, that they may use to swap the orders of teams. And those criteria being head to head, uh, rec- so if uh, you know if team number five owns a head-to-head win over team number four, they may move them ahead of team number four and swap, and then they may get moved ahead again if they have a better record or own a head-to-head over team number three. They use record against common opponents, and they use strength of schedule. So they'll apply all of those as criteria for potential swaps based off the rankings. The rankings generally get used as the starting point, and then those criteria are evaluated. They're evaluated for the top 16. They're evaluated all the way through. Not so much really from 17 to, you know, 42 or wherever that may be, because those teams are just in regardless. But then where it becomes critical again is when you get to the bubble and you're looking at the last teams in, you may have the last team in on rankings lost to the team that's the first team out and they would swap and that could affect the teams actually making it into the field. Yeah. And, you know, again, we've talked about all of these things throughout the course of our shows to help try and explain, but there are a lot of nuances. And again, where teams finish in the rankings is something that often confuse people because, of course, that final iteration of the rankings features that elusive double run of the rankings. Now, we have both spent a lot of time over the past two weeks talking about the double run. Let's do that one more time for the fans. Explain, Chris, in layman's terms, what that final rankings, you know, what that double run does to the final rankings and yeah, what so that we, process is. Yeah, in general, when you when rankings are run and they're run a single time, you get points this week based on what the team you won or lost to, either way, was was ranked last week. So if I, if I, Michigan had, you know, got a win this week and I beat Ohio State, the points I get are based off what Ohio State was ranked last week or on the last run. And what happens is you can really only move based off what you do that week when there's a single run. If you want the impact of what the teams you have played to come into, a, into play, in other words, if Michigan beats Ohio State, but Ohio State also had, say, a big, which didn't happen, but say they had had a big point win in the tournament and it was going to help them out. You want them to move up as well. Well, in order for your opponent's records to come into play, that takes place in one run and then they trickle down to you in the following run. And so that's what the double run is used for. 
because it's the, the end of the season, all the conference tournaments are ending. And for any of those teams to get credit for the wins and losses of their opponents, not just what they did, you need two runs. And so that's, that's the double run. Yeah, so I'm going to do that one more time as well. You, uh, The past week's results are implemented into this week's rankings. Number, we'll say whatever they were, seven Michigan beats number three Ohio State. They get points for beating Ohio, number three Ohio State. After you run those rankings, Michigan is now number four. Ohio State is number five. What that second run does for all, and it's not just for Michigan, but for everyone is okay. That first run is the results and the rankings after the final week's play. After all of this season has been played, this is where everyone stands. Now we're going to run everyone's resume one more time because this is now, you know, if the final rankings is the most accurate reflection of the rankings and where everyone was throughout the course of the season, that's what the second run is for is to measure each of those resumes off of that most accurate ranking list, which was the first run. So again, that second run, I know it's confusing, but it's about accuracy. That's how the rankings are determined. Now we get to the fun part. So again, that's how we'll get to the top eight seeds, top 16 seeds. We'll get to the, and Granger Huntress comes in and says, have always said the double run really helps those schools who played their tournaments a week ahead, giving them three runs for those big wins. And, you know, few people know the ranking formula better than Granger. So appreciate his thoughts. And to all of you joining us live, any questions you may have, Feel free to fire them in the chat. We'll try to answer them over this course of time. But again, you mentioned it earlier. That's how the top eight, top 16, all these final rankings are figured out. Then the seeding committee will look. And if the point margin is close enough, right, if it's within, you know, one point or, you know, maybe a point and a half sort of spread, then we get to look at the head to head rankings. And certainly as you look at that seven, eight, nine, ten range, that's where things get fascinating. Wake Forest currently at number eight, Kentucky at number nine, South Carolina at number 10 in the projected rankings, excuse me, which I'm just going to assume, Chris, that you have the formula right and they are correct. Obviously, South Carolina fans will say, wait, we beat Wake Forest. And not only that, we beat Kentucky twice. We're really going to be seated behind both of those two teams. Well, that's the sort of decision that the committee ultimately makes in the end. And certainly those are some of the things we're monitoring here in those seedings, in those final regionals. With that in mind, let's get to how these regions are formed. Talk to me about the difference between using the rankings and the travel matrix and the travel restrictions that go into setting up these tournaments. These yeah, for the most part, the the over the overriding goal of the committee is to limit the number of flights, or it, uh, you know, to say it another way, is maximize the number of drives. As and, and no, to put it the most way is to minimize the expenses because let's just be frank here: it is a non-revenue sport. We're not trying to have people break the break the bank. Why should, and this is just an example, not something that's going to happen. San Diego traveled to Harvard for the sake of, you know, when they can travel significantly closer and the disparity in ranking is not that far. If we can save budget costs, that is obviously something the NCAA committee is, is factoring into. And that is a big part of this travel restrictions. Absolutely. And so what the NCAA in general, you know, the, the, the rule as we know it is 400 miles and they've got their own site where you can look up the distance between any two schools and if it's if it's 400 miles or less they would consider that a drive if you will uh, and preferable 
to anything that would be more that they would consider a flight. And so they try to get the most number of matches in the tournament as a whole, uh, obviously in those first two rounds, uh, as they can to be under 400 miles. And so sometimes that can lead to some scenarios where they don't necessarily, you know, teams 17 through 32 may not necessarily be two seeds. We saw a couple of years ago, Virginia went to Columbia. They were 33 or 34, somewhere that would have technically been a three. They went to Columbia as the two, just because the, the travel matrix worked out such that, and that was close enough. You know, they probably won't go so far as to make number 50 a two seed, right? But being a spot or two out at 33 or 34, close enough to call them a two, send them to Columbia and take one less one less flight in the, in the matrix. And so that's the goal. And those were the tweets I put out with the travel matrices to be used for that purpose. You can look at it. And then the questions will always, you know, then you get into the real questions of, so which is more important, the, you know, the, the integrity of the draw. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you drew a straight draw up 16 would play 17. So you would want to send the first team out to the site of the last team in and not to the number one school, right? A, a real bad penalty for being the first team out if you end up getting sent to number one. That would be kind of the integrity of the draw rules versus what if the only place that team number 17 could go that was drivable for them was number one? That's where the committee has to go. What's more important, keeping the drives down or, or keeping the integrity of the draw? So it's always a balancing act, right? And, you know, we'll, we'll see how things play out, but, but we've worked up a, a couple possible projections of which, of course, you know, none of which will be close in the end, but, uh, <laughs> but a couple that, you know, sort of took, a, you know, one with a little more of an integrity of the draw slant on it and one that's a little more uh, mileage slant. And we've seen in the past, even when it comes down to, if it comes down to teams where the, the number of drives are the same and now we're down to mileage, we've looked at it and seen that it's truly probably a computerized algorithm that's spitting it out. And a difference of three miles always seems to be defaulted to the team with the shorter distance. So, um, you know, that's, that's the, the one that leans towards the travel distance. It, it kind of leans in that way in that, Hey, if, if you've got a shorter drive, you know, if you're 105 miles and there's another team that's 120 or, or even 200, they would go with the shorter distance uh, if possible. And so with that in mind, you alluded to the travel matrix you created. We have that graphic for all of you now. If you can, Super Producer Daniel Westoff, throw the men's travel matrix up on the screen. And um, again, we are look as we look towards uh, this draw reveal, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens. And so you came up with two different sort of brackets. You came up with a bracket based on mile preference, and you came up uh, with a bracket based on draw integrity preference. I guess we're playing the guessing game here as well as anyone. If you had to guess which of the two is more accurate here, which would you select? Well, I, th I think it's undoubtedly a combination of the two, because I think the draw integrity... Uh, from past experience, they they probably use that a little more in those first couple, like I like what I referenced, where you know, 17, 17 18, 19, you don't really want to send those teams to numbers one, two, or three. So in this example, the mileage preference kind of says, hey, 
Send, we'll look at, I've got San Diego as the first team out going to Arizona either way. It's technically over 400 miles. It's 410, but it's barely over. And they're the 17 going to a 16. It just makes sense. Nobody, by the way, can drive to Arizona in the entire field. There's not a team in the draw less than 400 miles. With the caveat, one thing we didn't mention, in those 14 pods, no two teams from the same conference yes. allowed to be That's play critical together. to mention. So like so, Stanford, yeah. for instance, is not going to go to USC under any circumstances. Or Arizona. Or they Arizona, can't go to exactly. Yeah. So, and so, so I've okay. got San Diego. No, go ahead. Sorry. I say, so I've got San Diego there. Then the, then the real question comes in the next one. In kind of the draw integrity one, if you see on the right, we say Stanford goes to North Carolina because Stanford was the second team out. North Carolina, second to last team to seed. That's that's an integrity thing. Uh, versus if I kind of went off of, of a mile preference, I would send Columbia there because that lets me put VCU at Virginia. Stanford's flying no matter where they go. And it only drops one spot if we send them to Harvard instead. So that's not that's not horrible, even integrity wise. So it's just a little different slant on on kind of where teams go, but VCU being right next to Virginia, Columbia still able to drive down, uh, or I'm sorry, not drive, but it's not it's not horribly too, uh, too far. It, it, they're just different slants on on where teams go, but you'll see in there. So, and the key in this here is all the teams listed in white are technically drives. Anything that's shown in blue is more than 400 miles and technically uh, a flight. And you know the interesting thing when you get into this men's bracket is. You can see there are there are eight teams basically as three seeds that have to travel. And at that point, if you have to fly as a three seed, it doesn't really matter other than avoiding conference matchups. It doesn't matter where you go. So, you know, we've slotted them into a couple different sets of pairings here, but they could honestly be just, you know, thrown into a hat and picked out with there's no no clue knowing where they'll go. The one thing you'll see in the mileage preference one are a couple oddities. You see a couple teams that have numbers after them, like Notre Dame at Michigan as the two seed. Notre Dame technically, by ranking, a three seed. but Meaning what? Talk to me about the rankings range quickly, but what distinguishes a two from a three? So, I mean, your next 16 out, so yeah. 17 to 32 would be a two, 33 to 48 would be a three, and 49 to 64 would be a four, right? Well, we can we can get all drives to Michigan if we put Notre Dame there as a three, then we bump Western Michigan from a four to a three and DePaul as the four, right? Now they're all drives. Uh, and so that's an oddity. But now because you've moved Notre Dame up to a three, someone gets bumped. And in this case, it was Ole Miss who was the last team in, I believe, as a, as a two, they get bumped to a three. Uh, and then the same with Western Michigan going to a four, I bump Liberty down to the four uh, and Western Michigan up to the three. So you can have that happen. They don't, I mean, uh, granted those, and in each of those cases, those teams were barely out. Like Liberty was one of the last two threes, Western Michigan. Well, that they weren't as close, but it, they were the only team that was going to allow that sort of thing to happen to get those drives out. So, so that that's what happened there. Yeah. And of course you mentioned the fours, 
in theory, 49 through 64, of course, you have to incorporate conference champs who aren't always going to be in the top 64 of the rankings. And you think of teams like, respectfully, Idaho and SC State who are going to be four seeds no matter what. There are certain, you know, again, as you think about it, it's not as cleanly cut as 49 through 64 will all get in. And with that in mind, incorporating the conference champs because well, let's do the men's first, then we'll get to the women's and obviously still 20 minutes out here from the unveiling of the NCAA tournament draw. We'll have reactions to that as it's revealed. Alex Gruskin here with Chris Halliors, the professor. Let's look at the teams at the cutoff line and where that cutoff line is going to be. Now, again, according to your NCAA projections throughout the course of the year, you have that cutoff line right at that 45-46 range. That means, and again, this is according to the College Tennis Ranks projected rankings, uh, which may not be identical to the ITA rank We don't know for certain as those rankings haven't been released publicly, but as of right now, last teams in for uh, last three teams into the rankings, you have Memphis in uh, at number 42. You have Tulsa in at number 44. You have USF in at number 45. First three teams out for you. Again, according to these projections, you have Arkansas, FAU and Charlotte. Now, it's worth noting Georgia Tech, number 43 in the projected rankings. They're 10 and 14. They're under 500. As good as their win was against Wake Forest, and you do feel like that team with Martin and McDaniel, boy, how are they not getting into the NCAA tournament? Like with all the ACC schools that popped, if I'd have told you it was Louisville and not Georgia Tech that's entering, you know, with all this momentum, I think at the start of the season, you would have called me crazy. Georgia Tech is out. That does not help Arkansas FAU or Charlotte, does it? You've already factored that in? Correct. That's out. And I think you're probably looking at a slightly stale version. The, I, as I've got them up now, it's Texas Tech, USF, Tulsa in that order as the last three in. Arkansas, Charlotte, FAU is the first three out. But but you're right. That's already been taken into account. So that spot has been you know removed, if you will. And that's what pushed the number down. Had Georgia Tech actually been in, Tulsa would have been um, that last team on, on the bubble. And as you said, these are a, they're projected. We could have a missing match. I'm not aware of. We could have the home away result of a match. Not exactly correct because some of them we get off team sites. So it's so close that, you, you know, you look at Tulsa, Arkansas, the thing, if they are in that order, the thing Tulsa has got going for them is they own a head to head win over Arkansas. The thing Arkansas has got going for them is, you know, they, they played in the sec and so they've got, you know, they've got wins over Auburn and Texas A&M and Mississippi State. There's three top 40 teams right there. Uh, and so, you know, they could make a case on some on some better, you know, tournament field uh, caliber wins. So, you know, both of them can make their argument. I would tend to lean, especially because Tulsa's got the head to head, tend to lean that way. But you just never know. I mean, the committee could say, well, you get one point for that. But Arkansas gets two points for better head to head now. At, on the same hand, uh, you know, they they lost to UCF, Arkansas, that is. Tulsa, I, uh, or I, that's if it was USF. USF had beaten them twice. I don't know that there's much else in common between Tulsa and Arkansas. So, but that is where the line is. The line right there on the men's side at 45 uh, and and Tulsa would appear to be, and that's the way we we drew this up, right? We went straight off what the projected rankings look like. That doesn't take into account that the committee could very well swap, you know, and they could very well go another down. It's a couple point gap down to Charlotte. So I would doubt they go that far. 
I think the conversation is really, does Arkansas get in over either Tulsa or USF? Uh, yeah, and that's I mean, pretty much it. Well, for Tulsa, they had a season-defining win and a signature victory over Middle Tennessee. And that victory, which I believe was a 4-2 victory at home mid-April, I mean, that's the sort of win you need to have when you put together a 15-11 season. You look at some of the other wins they've earned, you know, a, a big victory for them against Oklahoma at home. They got a good win over Denver at home as well. A good Pepperdine. victory yeah, over Oregon, too. And, yeah, I mean, you talk about the signature victories. Pepperdine and Middle Tennessee are signature victories. Now, you look for Arkansas, certainly for them to beat A&M in the SEC tournament. That was uh, the sort of signature win you need. You beat Mississippi State 4-3 at the end of the year as well. That's a good one, too. And then they've got Auburn. So, again, Middle Tennessee and Pepperdine versus Auburn, uh, Texas A&M, and Mississippi State. They both beat Alabama. pretty equal and at that point you do say well what was the head-to-head result and to your point Tulsa straight up beat Arkansas now it was 4-3 at home and you look for this Arkansas team they lost 4-3 at Ole Miss to end the season they lost 4-3 at LSU to end the season they had Kentucky on the ropes a match they ultimately dropped 4-3 at home you know 4-3 at Texas A&M the first time those two teams played at the same time you got to win though. Like if they win one of those, just one of them, they are in the tournament. They did not like they had their chances, certainly. And they came up extraordinarily close. And you do wonder, is the committee going to look and say, well, if you look at this Arkansas team and I apologize, but I'm going to be counting alive as I look at it. They have one, uh, two, three, four, five, f- four, three losses, five, four, three losses. If they go again one and four in those matches instead of zero and five, it's a we're not worrying about them on the bubble. They didn't though, and so I do think at this point because these are the biggest two teams for debate, like the head-to-head should make the difference. Yeah, and that, that's where we kind of lean just off past experience, but we've also seen some head scratchers. Well, what we think are head scratchers initially, where we go, wow, somebody on the head-to-head and they swap and and they got passed over anyway, and it's because they would say, hey. You get two points for, and some of this is outlined in their manual, you'll get two points for a head-to-head win. But then we looked at common opponents, and they were, you know, you had six opponents in common. The the team that was in front went one and five against them, and you went five and one. All of a sudden, they pass you by, right? So there's there's all of that that comes into play, uh, you know, and the strength of schedule. And it's going to, you know, it's hard to argue that Arkansas won't get some sort of credit for the strength of schedule in the SEC. So, uh, so yeah, it's a, I mean, it's just really close, but, uh, I think we should probably get back, pop those up because we've got 15 minutes, less than 15 minutes. And we probably well, want to talk about the women too. Well, first of all, professor, don't overstep your bounds here. Leave all of this in myself. Now I'm just kidding. You're right. I just do want to say again on these bubble teams, because those are who's going to be wondering if they're in. So Arkansas is first out who's second out. It's FAU, correct? Uh, Charlotte actually. Okay, so Charlotte, who came on so strong at the end of the year. And, you know, again, they lose their uh, conference tournament final 4-3. Look for this Charlotte team, 17-7 and overall on the year. Now you're asking yourself, though, did they have a signature victory? Well, had they earned that win over Middle Tennessee? Maybe. Like, again, they lose that match 4-3. Now they beat FAU 4-0. You know, good win over Old Dominion on the year as well. Good win over UTSA. They beat Liberty Flames 4-2. I just I can't make a case for them. Yeah, no, it's it's no, and 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 Coach Bailey knew it, and they went yeah. out at the end. They went out at the end of the year 
came and damn they, close. Last minute, they went to Stillwater to play Oklahoma State. Both yeah. of those teams kind of needing a win to have a shot. It, in the end, didn't end up being enough for Oklahoma State, who won the match. Obviously, had Charlotte won the match, they'd be in. Even in losing, the points that they could have gained, I mean, the points they would have gained by not playing didn't seem to be enough. It was the right decision for them to go play that match uh, to try to get themselves into the field. But no, it wasn't enough. And they, and they, like you said, they don't have, Tulsa and Arkansas both have, you know, four or five top 50 wins to where Charlotte's got one over FAU at 47. So they're just, you know, that the resume there is not going to get them in on a committee standing. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And again, some other teams, UCLA, first time in program history, they will not be at the NCAA tournament, 13 and 12. Illinois got a win over Wisconsin, 14 and 13, had their shot against Michigan. Should they have won that match? We probably all, they, we, they probably ultimately get into the tournament. We probably get to see them in the tournament is what I was looking for. Uh, unfortunately, they will be hosting the quarterfinals. I don't think you can make a case for them either. Like, yeah, they had a really nice win over North Carolina, really nice win over Northwestern. There were moments when this team certainly looked like an NCAA tournament team. But again, it's not a what was your ceiling. It's what did you do for the totality of the year? Teams like them, Vanderbilt, Cal. I actually think 9-15 and 15 Arizona State was a sneaky good team at the end of the year, but they're not going to get in. That said, let's pull those men's brackets back out. We'll do this quickly before we hop over to the women's side of the field uh you look at the men's brackets and again projected based off of travel matrix versus based off of what you see uh in competitive balance is a rapid fire through these questions michigan beat baylor 4-0 baylor is number three in the rankings and over michigan at number four and it's not as though it's a one point gap between these two teams right now baylor three point excuse me two and a half points ahead of Michigan, I believe. Although I am looking at a rusty thing. I'm going to have to refresh these rankings. Do they hop it? And again, yeah, let's put uh, that project. Let's put the the men's fields on the rankings. Yeah, I I think I'm missing that Michigan match for some reason there, Gruskin, which is why uh, I'm looking now. You need a minute to put that back in as we see these graphs. Again, right now you have. Oh, no, uh, there we are. Yeah, Michigan. Michigan's actually five behind Ohio State at four. I have to believe owning the two to one head to head that will get swapped. But even that is a big point differential. That's eight points up from Michigan to Ohio state. So that's the question. And if we can't, can we put the men's graphic? Sorry on the screen, please go ahead. Yeah, that, no, that is the question because again, right now, uh, Michigan would currently be projected to be the number four versus five. That's a big argument. Let's do these quickly. Uh, because I do think 16 is pretty definitive at this point. Arizona is going to get it over San Diego. There's just respectfully the argument yeah, for San Diego is. Yeah, exactly. That's it's just Arizona straight up beat them. Um, shout out to North Carolina for sneaking in Wake Forest, Kentucky, South Carolina. Are you betting eight, nine, 10? What's your eight, nine, 10? I say South Carolina, Wake, Kentucky. I think they'll jump South Carolina, both spots. They clearly South Carolina clearly jumps Kentucky. They yeah, are, I agree with you. They will be no lower than nine. But yeah, they beat them twice, so they're nine. Now the question is, do you put South Carolina in front of Wake Forest for that eight-nine spot? Based on history, I think they do. I think South Carolina goes to eight and gets the super regional host. 
1.4 points between them uh, via the rankings. I mean, again, South Carolina does ultimately beat uh, this Wake Forest team early in the season. And certainly Wake's had a lot of moving pieces, but, you know, that was a 5-2 victory for South Carolina at home. And both teams suffered losses early in their conference tournaments to South Carolina. It's in the quarterfinals to Auburn, which is certainly a better loss on paper than Wake Forest lost to Georgia Tech. Kentucky made the SEC final. And if you're Cedric Kaufman, you look at how that team ended the season to beat Georgia, to beat Tennessee. Yeah, they had to play Auburn in the semifinal. Auburn's a damn good team. They come in strong. They will be a definitive number two seed. I mean, I go, that said, a double jump, it's really hard to do a double jump. I don't know. I I think they do it. I'm not sold Michigan gets the double jump. I don't even know that Michigan gets the first jump over Ohio State. I think they I think they do. I I do think they'll jump Michigan over Ohio State two and one. But the four or five at that point, it's really all about matchups because four or five, if they make it to Champaign, play each other. Yeah. Right. Uh, Right. So so it doesn't even and it's a neutral court. So it doesn't matter who's four or who's five. It's it's all about who who you play in other matchups and obviously the winner would get the number one so then it's really more about who do you get in the super regional round you know four gets 13 five gets 12 which matchup do you like better it doesn't really matter at that point the bigger question is do they jump michigan over baylor because if they do them over ohio state do they also take baylor because they own the head-to-head advantage over baylor as well we'll find out here and you know Five minutes, 10 minutes. Yeah, and, and we'll talk about the regional selections again in comparison to when they come out. So we'll save some of those biggest surprises for our 6 p.m. conversation. Let's head over to the women's side now because you look at the debate here again. To 16, 17, I think it is pretty definitive uh, ultimately yeah, I think it's in a the end. Line. Yeah, you look for it right now, according to your projected rankings, it goes 13 Georgia, who 17 and six overall, you know, kind of limp towards the finish line before ultimately making the SEC conference final. They have, uh, re- they made the conference final, right? I'm not blanking here. I think they beat Auburn. Um, they ultimately are 13. I think they deserve to be there. After them, Auburn 14, Stanford 15, half a point separates the two of them half a point. I apologize. Some lawn mowing going on in the background. In the end, Florida hangs on at 19 and six to that number 16 spot. Florida played Texas A&M extraordinarily close in the SEC conference tournament, ultimately knocked off there. Uh, it, uh, but again, so Florida at 16, they're over Arizona state at 17 and Arizona state was exceptional to end the season, beating just about everyone and making the conference tournament final. Once again, they beat USC, they beat UCLA before getting knocked out by Stanford. But of course they beat Stanford in the regular season. I could argue Arizona state has more signature victories than Florida. That said, it's a two point two and a half point spread between them in the rankings. I think these 16 are locked. I, I kind of feel that way too. I mean, they've got, they beat Cal twice, Arizona State, that is, right, for, for two for two top 10 wins. Florida doesn't have a win inside the top 20. So, yeah, I mean, and Arizona State, you can even go beyond after the two wins over, over Cal. You can yeah. still go. They've got a win over Stanford at 15 and then USC at 20. That's four wins in the top 20 to Florida's nine. Yeah, I think I said UCLA, and thank you for correcting me. I meant Cal. Sorry, go on. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I can make the argument. It's just like you said, it's a pretty, they didn't play head to head. And there's not going to be, I didn't run down the list of common opponents, but just, you know, with being conferences and where they're located, 
there's it's not, not a, a health. Yeah, it's not a probably not a lot of common opponents to, to look at. So then it gets down to, you know, maybe records against teams in the tournament. Uh, and and they do look at like, you know, top 30, top 40, top 50 type wins could favor Arizona State. That'll be interesting. I mean, it's it is it's not out of the question that Florida gets bumped out of that host spot and Arizona State moves in. Yeah. So here's the other two questions I have for you as we look at these seeds. And then I want to get to the bubble teams on the women's side. And again, we're four minutes away, I believe, from the beginning of the unveiling of the men's bracket. USC 17-11. Yeah, they made the national indoors, but there was, I believe, a six-match losing streak mixed in for the Trojans. Losses to UCSB, LMU, who have turned out to be top 30 teams. But ultimately, just again, there are too many ups and downs for the Trojans. I think UCLA... When they looked their best, they looked like a top 16 seed. They only played 18 matches this year for a variety of reasons. So it's just not a lot to build a case for them on. No, but that shapes up to be a brutal region where, I mean, I don't see any way that they don't go to Pepperdine. And wow, what I mean, that's not exactly what you want to see if, I mean, Pepperdine, I'm sure is going to be confident. You want to know what's amazing? So last year, Pepperdine had Stanford. This year they get UCLA pairs. Like how many blue chips do I have to bring in until this stops happening? Well, you know, when, when you're the big school, that's not in the PAC 12, but you're in California, you're pretty much going to draw some big, you know, PAC 12 team that doesn't make the tournament every year. So yeah, it's a, that's a, but that is a rough draw. Yeah. It doesn't have to turn out that way, right? There are other schools that could go there. I just, that's the way it looks both, you know, to me on paper. Yeah, the last one, and I'll say it, Michigan, yes, they beat Ohio State to win the Big Ten Championship. Good win over Northwestern, both in the regular season, the conference tournament as well. The resume is just, I don't think, big enough for the Wolverines. All due respect to Coach Bernstein and our squad, who, of course, did win the Big Ten Conference uh tournament championship and uh certainly have momentum i mean they won a freaking doubles point like if that happens who knows what's capable for this michigan wolverines team but i do think again these top 16 are locked in now the debate for eight nine things get interesting according to the projected rankings 30 and one texas a&m they're a seven seed and look they don't have a top 10 victory on the season georgia's not top there's not an sec team in the top 10 other than them. And yes, they made the national indoors, but they fell the Cal before getting wins over SD and old dominion, which are certainly good wins as we know the context of them, but they're a number seven seed. I wonder if the committee might do some tinkering with them and move them up. Just given again, they haven't lost a match since February. Now, Texas Duke three, four, it's interesting positioning there within a point. And, you know, you look at some of the other spots from Miami all the way through to Oklahoma state nine through 12, all of those teams separated by a point and a half of top 16 seed wise. What are the things are you looking for, Chris, on the women's side? Yeah. I mean, I, I, there are a couple places where there's some teams that own a, on a head to head, but for the most part, they are pretty, you, if you look at, at just looking at head to head and I didn't get too much deeper than that and the committee will. So, so there may be things that jump out where I don't know that somebody was five and one over the other in the other team, one and five against common opponents. I didn't dig in that far. Unfortunately I have a real job, but uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, this isn't it, but, uh, but th- those things could happen. I think, yeah, A and M. I don't know. I find it hard to move them too much. Great season, yes, but like you said, no top ten wins. You can't really drop them because eh, Pepperdine's only got one top ten win, and then it goes to eighteen. So you, I don't see them dropping them. But NC State, 
beat Texas. Uh, and then their, their wins after that are 11, 12, 13, 14, uh, right. In, you know, and they're in front of a and I, I, boy, I, it seems like it would be tough, but at the same time we see them, you know, in the, in the USTA poll, they get voted number one and we're looking at them at the rankings at seven, you, you know, something doesn't add up. So who knows what, what they'll do. I, I just think they, in, historically, they tend to kind of stick by the rankings unless they have really good reason. And I don't see really good reason here to move them. Ronnie's going to get mad at me if I don't mention Michigan also has a win over Cal. But if you're this Cal team who has beaten Pepperdine, you know, what, two, three times here? Uh, I forget what the number is. It's either two or three, but it's beaten twice. them multiple times. Yeah, twice. Once That's what it was. On the road. They've beaten them twice this season. And, you know, to see yourself behind that Pepperdine team when, you know, again, you have top 10 wins over Pepperdine. Pepperdine just has the one top 10 win. I do think there there's an argument to be made there. Similarly, you look for Oklahoma State, who, according to the projected rankings right now, sitting at 12, they also beat Pepperdine uh, earlier this season. And, you know, again, uh, have played really well. You know, they lost at Ohio State uh, without their full complement of players earlier in the season. They've lost to Oklahoma and Texas and you know, again, it's it's not this Oklahoma State team doesn't have a single bad loss on their resume. Ditto for Miami, who, you know, again, yeah, they didn't make the national indoors, came extraordinarily close, a 4-3 loss to USC that, man, if they have that match back, like you look at what they were able to do through the ACC season, there's a strong case to make for a bunch of these teams. I don't think Ohio State has strong enough of a case. Yeah, they got the victory over Pepperdine and yeah, they were four, three losses at Duke at NC state, but they were losses. And then ultimately to lose to Michigan in the big Ten conference final, I just don't think you can make a top eight argument for them. But I mean, it is Pepperdine 20 and six again on paper. Sure. They still have a team that you feel is capable of winning a national championship, but like, I don't know. I feel like if you start to tinker, where do you start or where do you stop? Yeah, I, I I don't know. I, at the same time, I don't know if Westoff can get us hooked in here, play it for us in the on the screen so everybody else can see it. It looks like their uh, Will Haskett's on the show is just the selections just going on. Yeah, and so if you can, Chris, send that link uh, over to Super Producer Daniel Westoff. Now, of course, cutoff line for the women's side, you have that at forty three. And so right now, your last team in is FIU. Your first team out is Wisconsin. Now, you listed this scenario on on Twitter over at College Tennis Ranks, which all of you can go read. But quickly run me through that as Super Producer Danny Westhoff gets that link ready for us. Yeah, we were we were missing. And it was actually I had the cutoff date set a day early uh, on the, the results. We were missing that Michigan result without the Michigan win over Ohio State, which is somewhat unfortunate for. Uh, you know, for, for Wisconsin, because Ohio state, you know, for all intents and purposes had to be the favorite, uh, they would have been in had Ohio state won that match. The Michigan win, uh, ended up pushing Wisconsin down and FIU up a spot. So I believe, and I don't see any reason to necessarily swap them and there's no head to head. I think FIU will end up being the last team in uh, on the ladies' side and, and Wisconsin will probably be the first team out. Man, Wisconsin will be kicking themselves. And again, I've got to see Coach McKenna's team play in person at the national, you know, 17 and nine overall. And you look for them at the national indoors, came so close to beating the USC Trojans. There we that go. Match 4 3, 4 2 to Old Dominion as well as we see the bracket beginning to be filled in. But man, like 
it, it is going to be. I will say this for Wisconsin, you know, four, three loss to Northwestern four, three loss uh, to Michigan played a bunch of matches extraordinarily close throughout the course of the season. I think they're top 64 good, but yes, as you can see on the screen, it's NCAA tournament time. And what we want to continue to do here is offer our reaction. The first reaction, your number one overall seed is TCU 23 and four overall your national indoor champions. They are your number one seed. Drake's going to be traveling to them. Oh, middle Tennessee got the 16. You got you're too far ahead, Chris. You're too far ahead. You got to watch the screen. You, no oh. spoilers here. You got to relax. So Old Miss is going to two. Um, and again, they are the number two seed here in this TCU region. And you see, uh, is that surprising to you? Let's go there first. No, I, I mean that. I think in the in the uh, draft, the draw integrity version, I, I put them there. Uh, and ended up putting them there as the three seed in the in the other version. But I thought that was a good spot for them. Yeah. So Ole Miss, ultimately, and again, I'm pulling up your variations to see what you do have. You predicted Ole Miss in your draw integrity version to go to TCU. But here's the shocker. As you mentioned, Middle Tennessee, your number 16 seed. So that means wow. they leapfrogged both San Diego and... And Arizona, it seems. Oh, and I believe we have a third member joining us now. John Parsons, our Crack Rackets West Coast contributor, joining us here on the show. Welcome, Jay. Again, Middle Tennessee Conference Champions, uh, Conference USA Champions. You look at what they were able to accomplish here on the season for this Middle Tennessee team. I believe now they enter uh, this NCAA tournament. What? I believe it's 27 and four overall. And certainly their top two can hang with anyone do they have the signature victories to be a, a 16 like this is surprising chris this is means they leave it means like the pac-12 may not be well represented here well it yeah it's going to be interesting to see if arizona's out now because yeah that means they leapfrog stanford san diego and arizona theoretically yeah that i mean that's significant i mean you look for this middle tennessee team again 27 and 4 Wait. overall what Wait, are this is the nine uh, of course, Chris is everywhere. All oh, yeah, you're beating me to the spots here. I, this happens fast, folks. Welcome to our rapid reaction to all of it. I will ask politely, Chris, don't call things out. We'll get there. I promise. Um, again, 27 and four. He's making a big face. We're going to get there, folks. I promise we will get there again. Middle Tennessee, 27 and four. You're asking yourself, what's their best victory on the season? They earned a 4-2 victory over Auburn, victory over Arizona in the Blue-Gray Classic. Evidently, that's something the NCAA committee uh, must have considered significantly, you know, good wins for them over SMU, who certainly ended the season well, and and, uh, Memphis, the Texas Techs of the world, again, that 4-3 win over UTSA and Charlotte to win their conference championship. Wow, they really win with that head-to-head victory, which means it is not surprising, perhaps, to see, oh, it is surprising, because Wake Forest at number nine, Kentucky is your number eight, Chris. Yep. I mean, that's that is that is uh that is surprising. So they they put uh, they put Kentucky in front of Wake Forest and did not put South Carolina over either one of them. Which means they are penalizing these teams for their conference tournament losses. John Parsons, your reaction to that first half of the draw or first I'm, quarter? I was stunned by Middle Tennessee, and I'm very surprised to see. And the Michigan five. is your five. Right are you kidding me? We're going to go. So what I told is you the I, pattern they here? may not jump them over Ohio state just because of the huge point gap. Did we not watch 
what just happened in Madison? Did they not have Big Ten Plus? I could have loaned them on FaceTime. Like, this is surprising. The other thing is the 4-5 is somewhat inconsequential. They play each other anyway. Optics-wise, you should give Michigan the 4. I mean, did they not just beat Ohio State? I know we can look at the resumes. Go ahead, Chris. And by the way, Auburn going to Wake Forest is interesting. Yeah, I didn't I didn't screenshot, but I had somebody text me and ask why they had. And I don't know if that was the case because I didn't screenshot it. Maybe if Westoff did, he can tell us. Uh, somebody tells me there was an asterisk next to NC State in that middle Tennessee region. There was. They've used asterisks in the in before to denote host site. Yeah. So that's the question. Did they actually say is NC State? Playing the, host to the Middle Tennessee region, but it had to, ha- but it had a sixteen next to Middle Tennessee, which it's sort is, of what we saw last year. But yeah, it could be other reasons this year. So we will keep an eye on that. Meanwhile, going to Michigan, oh West off. Are we going to get in a fight as Michigan playing host to Louisville, Oklahoma, the three seed there? Western Michigan coming in uh, to fill out that group. I mean, again, the big note right now: Wake Forest, your number nine seed, Kentucky over South Carolina, over Wake, they end up as the number eight. And that's a testament to the way they finished this season. Again, you look for this Kentucky team, win over Georgia, win over Tennessee. They make the SEC final, the committee seemingly rewarding that. Although again, if you're going to reward that, but not give the victory, not give Michigan the four, at least cosmetically, considering they just beat Ohio State, went two and one against them on the year. Uh, that is a bit surprising, not surprising to see SMU par- partner with Texas. And certainly this Texas team semifinalists last year, up and down year, 16 and 10, bunch of different injury issues. They're your 12 seed. They're That's a win on. for SMU. Yeah. Right? They could have gone to Baylor or TCU. Yeah, certainly again. And that's, uh, again, a yeah, I'm, I'm hearing I'm hearing that that because we didn't have the volume on that match that region is being hosted at NC State even though Middle Tennessee is the 16 seed so we'll have to we'll have to hear what ha- what what's there. Yeah. Meanwhile, again, it's LSU going to be the number three seed there at SMU. That is a fascinating matchup between SMU and LSU. One certainly we will be eyeing closely in round number one. Your number 13 seeds, your Pac-12 champions, USC 21 and uh, five, I believe. Overall on the season, they're playing host to Nevada. Now I'm going to lock it in. Pepperdine will be the number two seed in this region. I bet they're joined by UCI, and indeed they are UC Irvine, who ultimately wins their conference championship. They're the number three seeds here. Your number two seeds inevitably going to be Pepperdine. Now, we got a good question from Grinch no, Hunters. Who asked, it's not Pepperdine? They did the swap that we... Oh, wow. we it had to be one of those two, San Diego wow. Oh, duh, because Arizona's at not the 16. I should have kept that in mind. And so with that in place, San Diego conference champions earn a dramatic 4-3 victory over Pepperdine. This San Diego team has been exceptional all year long. They're traveling to USC. So the committee has gone off script here, Chris, a little bit. And again, it really starts with that middle Tennessee domino, but unexpected here. Columbia, this is going to be the Buckeyes, right, at number four? Columbia's Uh. the tell. Got gotta be got it better. Be. Yeah, and Notre Dame, yeah, hundred percent Ohio State. Did we not watch what just? I know, I know. I'm going to be accused of bias here. I'm just saying, did we not watch what just happened on Sunday? I'm an unbiased Big Ten supporter, and I think Michigan should have been the four seed. 
Ohio State 24 and 3, Michigan 22 and 3. Now again, Ohio State dropped two points at home all year long. They beat Virginia, they beat Wake Forest, they beat Tennessee, they beat Kentucky, they beat Michigan. But they also lost to Michigan twice. Uh, and Michigan's lost again, Wake Forest, Harvard, Ohio State, those are all likely going to be top 16 seeds. Well, Michigan perplexed. has better wins. TCU especially, and Baylor. And especially again, if you're going to put Kentucky in at number 8, if we're going to value the conference championship, are we just writing off what we saw yesterday? It's also like, again, I just don't see it. I just don't see the argument. I'm sorry. I don't see it. I know I'm going to be accused of bias here, Chris. You get the final word. Yeah, well, I don't know. We'll have to sit, you know, we'll have to sit down and look at a few of these. Like I said, I, all I really looked at was head to head. I didn't dig in too, too heavily into, you know, the record versus common opponents, record versus tournament teams, strength of schedule, et cetera. Maybe, now that because there were just too many scenarios to look at all of that for now that we have a few that we kind of scratch our heads on we can go back and look and maybe that will be uh you know maybe that'll be why and by Uh, the way i don't mean to write off lsu or smu but bruce burke returning to ann arbor with the texas longhorns for a potential round of 16 match bruce burke the former head coach of the university of michigan that's a juicy storyline uh for all of us to monitor and again so your top, that top half of the bracket, uh, TCU, your number one seed, your number four seed, Ohio State, five seed going to be Michigan, eight seed Kentucky, who would host Wake Forest in the Super Regional. That's fascinating. Michigan, Texas, certainly a fascinating matchup as well. Your number three seed, still going to be the 26 and three Baylor Bears, who have certainly had an exceptional season. You look for Baylor, who, you know, semifinalist at the National Indoors. Ultimately, they win uh, the conference tournament championship championship i mean they're another team clicking on all cylinders ending postseason play chris why do you think they got that leap at three uh well i mean that that's there that's where they were ranked so unless unless michigan was going to make the double jump that's where they were going to be uh, unfortunately it means we can't have a baylor florida rematch in the final but yeah you know. yeah so there goes your prediction but baylor your number three seed playing host number two seed texas a&m that's fascinating the aggies obviously Look upset by arkansas Stanford is making the long, long trip to Harvard. Oh, the battle of the brains. I like that. Meanwhile, again, A&M, Baylor, former Big 12 rivals, I believe. Going to get that rematch there. Always going to be a fun uh, battle. Meanwhile, again, Stanford playing Mississippi State round one. That's an interesting matchup. Uh, Of course, Stanford, Mississippi State, both going to be traveling to number 14, Harvard, as you mentioned, the 18-4 and Ivy League champs. Really good victories early in the season over Michigan. Obviously ran the table in the Ivy League as well. Thus, they get to play host uh, to Stanford, Mississippi State. Man, Stanford, back-to-back years. They traveled to Virginia last year, traveling to Harvard this year. They got to make the trip. And again, this Pac-12, if Arizona is not going to be the 15 seed, like I'll tell you now, it's going to be North Carolina. So Pac-12 penalized for a tough season, certainly. But you look, your number 11 seed, Georgia Bulldogs, knocked out in the quarterfinals of the NCAA tournament by Tennessee. But I have no shame in that loss. As Tennessee may end up as your number six seed. Not going to shock me if there's a rematch there between uh, the two in that super regional. But Ultimately, Georgia, again, your number 11 seed, 17 and seven overall. The question is, who's their uh, two going to be here? I thought Middle Tennessee was potentially in play initially or one of the teams in that range. 
now I'm just afraid to make predictions. Florida State, yeah, I should have said that. That makes sense. That I, I yeah, Florida State was in all likelihood they had to go there or South Carolina. So yeah, no, and so they're your number eleven seed, and we can lock in right. Number six is going to be ooh, Duke going to Tennessee, Memphis yep. going. Yeah, of course that's the tell. So Memphis for the travel purposes, certainly this will be the Tennessee region. That's an interesting match. Duke has should be Tennessee Memphis. Tech. Yep. Yeah, and who are going to play host to Tennessee. So, you're te- again, your top right quarter of the draw, number three, Baylor, Tennessee. That's an NCAA semifinal last year. That's a national indoor semifinal this year. It's also a really – that's probably the sneaky best rivalry in college tennis. Not the best rivalry, the sneaky best rivalry. There is not a lot of love uh, between those two teams. And so, again – that's part of the draw you look for at number three, Tennessee, number six, uh, uh, excuse me, number three, Baylor, number six, uh, Tennessee, number 11, Georgia, and then uh, your number 14 seed, Harvard. That's This is the most stable section of the draw we've seen thus far. And I think the seeds from here on out, we ought to know, right? Virginia's got to be the seven. As you said, uh, North Carolina's got to be the 15 uh, when they put that up. South Carolina is going to be the 10 and Florida, the two and Florida, the two. Yeah. Florida's the two. Yeah. Virginia. And I, would, I assume we see VCU probably uh, in this Virginia region. Yeah. Well, I mean, guess what guys, 48 of the teams have been picked. If we can't get it from here, we're not doing our, yeah. I don't know. Right. I'm not sure I've paid attention to all of them with as many surprises. There were, I probably, you know, missed a couple. Well, we're going to be talking about that first half of the draw, certainly. And again, we're going to be joined at the top of the hour here by the head coach of the USC Trojans, Brett Macy. It's going to be fascinating to hear his reaction. I'm hoping to be joined by Josh Goffey as well. And I know we're going to have the women's draw coming out. So we may not have that part live, but I promise you we're going to spend just as much time talking about the women's action as I am fascinated. I didn't. Are they doing it back to back or is the women's draw 630? 6.30. Okay, so we have 10 minutes to play with. Perfect. Uh, so that's going to be when we bring on Coach Macy. But, I mean, the takeaway is that left side of the draw. I mean, Michigan at five, Ohio State four, and Middle Tennessee at 16. Can talk. I mean, Chris, you got some. we got some predictions wrong. Well, yeah, we, we knew that would happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was the best prediction of this all. And you see, of course, Virginia, Fairleigh Dickinson, Penn. Who's going to be their number two seed here? This oh, it's is- got to be VCU. Right. As a two. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause they're 20. Yeah. You're right. I was looking at the rankings. I had them. What are they? 29 ish. Yeah. That's what they were going into the weekend. I'm not sure exactly where they finished. Pepperdine oh, to Pepperdine, South Carolina. I mean, that's gotta be the South Carolina region, right? Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Coach Shackley making the trip. I mean, San Diego to USC is a direct result of no Arizona. Right. And so this is why right. Pepperdine isn't going to USC Pepperdine, Washington, Sign me up for that right now. That's a little ridiculous. Can they just play that match in Seattle <laughs> and then the winner travels Fly to out. Columbia? Yeah, it's just like, hey, we're going to have South Carolina, South Carolina State, and then Pepperdine, Washington here. Uh, no, that's a fun match because that Pepperdine team, again, South Carolina number 10 seed, no, they didn't end the season particularly strong, but they bring back everyone next season. This is the year for Pepperdine. That's a have fascinating seen, match. Have we seen USF yet, by the way? We have not. I bet they're going to Florida. So, uh, yeah, which is where we, I, we, we would put them at Florida. So I'll just make, but, but, and we saw Tulsa. So it's really just the USF Arkansas and yeah, USF should be, uh, they should be the three seed in at Florida. So we'll wait and see. Yeah. I mean, um, oh, Arizona, no. yeah. Ari- the, so Arizona's somewhere here. So that means, Ari- that means 
oh, Florida has to have Miami and USF. That means Arizona's going to North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, you look at all this, by the way, Harry Jaden leaving to become the assistant at Illinois. Um, so there's a development for you. Wow. I'll just add another wrinkle wow. into today's show. He didn't text me, Harry. Uh, or I actually, you know what? I think he did text me and I may have forgotten to respond. I tried calling him yesterday on the road home. Uh, so damn you, Parsa. That's he just I didn't want to hear about it. That's all. Yeah, seriously. Shout he out said, to you, ah, Congratulations. Listen. No, but again, North Carolina, your number 15 seed, as we anticipated. And what a fantastic fi- uh, finale to their season as they uh, get a win yeah. over uh, North Carolina wow. State. And I believe get a win over uh, obviously in- uh, North Carolina State, excuse me, twice on the I- way to the conference final. They I want inst- have Arizona. That instant is reaction, Gruskin. I want your instant reaction. Who are you picking, Arizona or North Carolina? Cernock uh, wins at one. Arizona, I mean, Sequin can play if we, I mean, oh, Arizona uh, wins it too. Uh, North Carolina takes the doubles point. Oh man, I might be picking Arizona. Uh, four three, but I, my initial reaction yeah, is they Arizona. Get, and then, of they course, gonna by come, the way, they're going to come east two years in a row and 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 make it to the Sweet 16. Maybe it's going to be Your number two seeds, by the way, Florida, uh, who are going to play host to Miami, USF, and your Gators, the defending national champions. I think we know of their strengths, but yeah, with that in mind, let's go full screen and let's bring on our first guest here to our Cracked Rackets live show, a man we can get reaction from immediately as his team was selected as the number 13 seeds here uh, for our NCAA tournament. And little does he know, he is joining the whole board here. This is, of course, our friend of our Cracked Rackets program, Brett Macy, coach, number 13 seed. But Arizona left out of the top 16. We'll get to you guys in a second. What's your reaction to all of this? Say that again. What is your reaction to all this? Arizona left out of the top 16. Now we'll get to you at 13 in a second, but I got to know, what are you thinking? I mean, honestly, I was, I think we were all a little shocked that, you know, we saw when we saw NC state on the board. Um, but, you know, the only thing I can think of is maybe facility wise, you know, they didn't have the right hosting well, well, capabilities. Yeah, and they, and they even listed, and I haven't got an answer to this yet, Coach. They list NC State as the host, but Middle Tennessee as the 16 seed. Yes, that's which, correct. That's what which I can only imagine means either Jimmy didn't put a bid in, or they, you know, maybe something's going on and they couldn't host. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure what Middle Tennessee's facility is like, but I think they have a pretty deep. No, oh, they've nice got a really nice indoor facility there. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. and outdoor. They've got they've got a ton of courts at the same place. So yeah. Yeah, well, and so, well, I was going to say, with that said, obviously the big domino, no Arizona, means San Diego is coming to USC. And obviously they're not the only team you guys have in your bracket. I know what you're going to say. We're not looking to match ahead. And UC Irvine, very exceptional. But San Diego is school you know particularly well, Coach. Your thoughts on them heading up to you guys? Yeah, I mean, we just played them recently. Um, you know, obviously we know them fairly well. Rich, you know, has coached there uh, at the same time. So, you know, we'll – It'll be a, if we get through Nevada and we get that opportunity to play against uh, against them, then it's going to be a it's going to be a heck of a of a match. I don't expect it to be anything lo- like what it was last time yeah. when we beat them four zero. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be fun. And again, you guys have won ten matches in a row, Pac twelve conference champions. How are you feeling about the Trojans heading into May? I you know I, I think we're we have good momentum going. We've been playing pretty we've been playing pretty well. Um, you know, guys are just itching to get, you know, get to the postseason and start. And, you know, I think 
the young group that we've had that we've been going through some of the trial and error at the beginning of the season is starting to, you know, come really, you know, they're grasping onto the concepts that we're putting in front of them and, you know, things are starting to pay off. Yeah. I mean, again, certainly it's, it's they had a coach, you said Bradley Fry. Oh, hello, Bradley Fry. Look at him. Oh, All these Trojans out. Yeah, they know where they're going now. San Diego coming to town. It's always exciting. And, you know, Jay, by the way, I don't mean to step on you. You're our West Coast correspondent. You've seen these Trojans compete. Any questions for Coach Macy? Yeah, Coach Macy, we saw some lineup changes towards the end of the year. Um, how's the squad feeling health-wise? Uh, good. Yeah, good. Everybody's uh, getting back out there. Everybody's healthy, you know, excited, uh, you know, to, to play. But, no, the guys are uh, – the guys have been – the guys are all – I think uh, we've had a lot of guys banged up throughout the entire season. I think that's why you've seen a lot of different different guys out there. But this year – this time of the year, I think we're starting to uh, to get fully uh, healthy, and you'll be you'll be seeing us at full strength. True or false, you are slightly excited to not have to come to Ann Arbor and face me. I was actually really looking forward to that, Alex. You, you invited me over for dinner and basketball. I mean, we were – we were, know, we, were, we, were coach. we were all looking for that. I was looking but, forward to seeing your low post game. Like I want, I've heard a lot of legend about your 1990s style of basketball. Now we miss out. Uh, look, I, it, it will, we, we still have that potential, I guess, down the road, you sure. know, so we'll see, we'll see what happens, but there's a lot of tennis to play before now then, you know that. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously that's what you guys are focused on. Uh, you look at what Steph's done this year. I know we talked about this off camera, but again, to have a guy go and make the leap he has here into the number one spot for the first time in his career, he's undefeated in dual match play. Talk to me about what that's meant to your team. Yeah, I, I think I've mentioned to you before. It's it's nice when you have that much of a solidarity, like rock up at, at the top spot when you know if you can go out there and get the doubles and you, you think, you know, you're going to have a secured second point right there it makes the tough battle for the, for the uh, team that you're facing to get another have those other five matches that are still in play to get all four, you know, four of the five. Um, obviously this weekend, it's going to be a little bit tougher um, coming up. You know, you're playing, you know, Seth's going to have potential to have to play August Holmgren and that's not necessarily a lock. And he knows that. And they had a tough battle last time. They were in the third when the match got, you know, uh, canceled or stopped. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, if he, he knows every every match that he's got to go out there and prove himself because he's playing against the best player on the other other side of the you know for their team. And uh, this weekend is going to be no different. So, you know, I think he's he's looking forward to this challenge. You know, in the postseason, and uh, as are the rest of our guys. But it's been it's just been really nice to have you know uh, a guy that is Stevie Johnson esque out there. I guess you could say. I know you're waiting for that drop. Well, uh, I'm glad you asked that because stupid question of the day. Let's say he does win out this season and he's at like 26 wins going into next year. Will you schedule 46 matches for him so you can chase 72? <laughs> don't don't forget he CB didn't lose. Well, he didn't play in the fall into this of his senior year. So there's a little bit of that caveat to that, but the to, if you were just going purely off of dual matches, I mean, it's a pretty incredible record. I don't no. know if I can, I don't know if I can schedule enough. I'm not going to do Tony Bresky and have 50 <laughs> matches in the season, but it will, uh, it'll definitely be, uh, it's still, still just very unprecedented to go that, especially at the one position to win that much. All I'm saying is if I see four double headers on your schedule next year, I know why. So don't think you're fooling anyone. Chris, I didn't mean to cut you off. You got anything for coach before we let him go? No, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm ready to go. 
Yeah. All right. Well, with that said, Coach Macy, congratulations again, number 13 seed and obviously Pac-12 champions, winners of 10 in a row and arguably one of the most fascinating regions, certainly as again, San Diego coming to town and uh, don't want to write off UC Irvine either as their conference champs. And so I'm sure we will be talking to you more, seeing more of you throughout the rest of this NCAA tournament. Appreciate you taking the time to join us here tonight. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. We got to get you out here to see the, the, the digs one day. That is a nice locker room. That's what I, I didn't want to say anything, but is that, I just assume that's where you live or that's where Rich lives now. Excuse me. <laughs> well, Rich yeah, is like, right over there. That's his home. Yeah, you know, no, that he'd fit on that couch. Adam said he'd bring us out for regionals next year. So I'm just waiting for your, you know, when you send the tickets, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just anytime so. boys, anytime. Appreciate it coach. And again, be safe, be healthy. We will talk to you more soon. Bye guys. Take care. Yep. Take care, of course. Again, that's head coach Brett Macy of the USC Trojans joining us here on the show. With that said, we are about two minutes out from the women's NCAA tournament selection show beginning. Westoff, can you quickly put that NCAA tournament projections that Chris made on our screen now? I want to give John Parsons, who, of course, has joined me each and every week to discuss all the women's Division One college tennis action, will be joining me tomorrow for a full draw breakdown God, we're going to have that Michigan argument like 17 times over the next week. But you see Chris's screen. Uh, you see Chris's projections now on the board. Talk to me about your reactions, what you're looking for over the next 15 minutes. Well, well yeah. oh. Oh, oh, no, sorry. Ahead, Chris, if I was going to say, can I get Jay's reaction, Chris? Yeah, sorry. yeah. Go ahead, Jay. I think the big thing I'm curious about is the Duke-Texas 3-4. Those are super close. The Ohio State loss yesterday actually should I believe move Texas above Duke. Duke has the win over Ohio state. I'm curious about that. I'm curious who gets the eight seed. Uh, Pepperdine is slotted in there right now. It's going to be fascinating. And you know, there's a ton, there's also a ton of the PAC 12 schools, right? USC, UCLA, Arizona state, all who are in that basically 17, 18, 19 spot. So where they go, um, they're probably going to be anyone's ball game because there's not a lot of driving distance for those schools. So uh, same thing with LMU, UCSB. So, a lot of potential Pac-12 moving out east. Can I just say shout out to Granger Huntress, who I believe, oh, I'm not, you know what? I'm not going to give away what college tennis Twitter account he is, but one of the best out there. I think the three of us know who Granger is, but shout out to Granger, who references in reference to our conversation with Brett Macy. Should he just schedule Alabama A&M eight times? We've seen it done before, and why not do it again? Oh, that that's, was, yeah, it was that's, Tennessee State or Tennessee Tech. I don't remember yeah. which. But it was our, that, that was the school that got scheduled by Arkansas six yeah, times. But shout out to Granger for the callback. That's how you know he's one of the OGs. Yeah, I mean, it is going to be fascinating, Jay, as you look. Uh, certainly, I after what we saw on the men's side, is Texas A&M going to get moved at all? Like, I don't know. I think they may end up closer to eight than they do to one. And that's an interesting wrinkle. And we talked about their resume already, but like, now that I'm thinking about it, man, they punished the Pac-12 men. Are they going to punish the Pac-12 women as well? Like, would it surprise you more if we have if we have two Pac-12 or no Pac-12? Like, I don't, I don't know if we're going to have any. No, we're going to have two. Cal and Stanford are going to host. Oh um, no, no, sorry, sorry. You're right. Cal's a lock. I don't yeah. know, but Stanford's I'm a lock because Cal. they won their conference tournament, and the Arizona men did not. Right, they lost in the quarterfinals. So I think we're pretty much locked in there. Plus, they need hosts on the West Coast. Um, they they need team they need yeah, teams what, for LMU to use and UCSB to go to. But what, what about USC, now UCLA. the Arizona State Florida deal for, at 16 with what we saw? You know, we saw some big moves made there, and Arizona State's got a really good, you know, 
resume of so that that's my argument that's, as yeah. well like if they're going to move middle tennessee over arizona i know it's not as a direct head-to-head the way middle tennessee has over arizona and by the way what are you thinking right now if you're the san diego men but um certainly like i would give give me arizona state's resume over florida's jay yeah no that's a really good call i think yeah. that, that could very well happen especially given the late post po- late season run and postseason run of the arizona state women went on I could see it. Can we agree that's a fantastic faux hawk from Jeremy Johnson out on screen? I know we haven't talked about him and him steering us through the ship, and uh, hopefully in the future we'll be able to somehow incorporate what we're doing here at Crack Rackets with the official show. But, uh, again, now here, 6.30 beginning. He, you see the picture of the Texas women. You're defending champs on the screen. I just – I'm still in shock. Kentucky 8. I mean – Did they deviate at all from the ITA rankings in the top 8 on the men's side, Chris? Uh, because that could give you your answer, Gruskin, about where AM will be ranked on the women's side. Yeah, well, I didn't think they were going to move AM. And did they deviate? Uh, well, yeah, they, they had to because uh, Wake was eight and Kentucky was nine. Mm, so they flipped that eight, nine. At least in our projections. Yeah. So they would have had to flip the, uh, which is why South Carolina, that by, then, by the way, didn't end up getting the double jump because by. Uh, well, no, they still should have jumped weight. Yeah, I can't explain that one. But yeah, they did. They flopped those two. Everything else was straight by the rankings. Okay. Uh, if yeah, so indeed I- that, if indeed that's, you know, we don't have anything missing from the projections, right? If there's a missing match or something, but, but yeah. But yeah, here so we go. We'll see. North Carolina as your, as your one seat here coming yes. in. And Not so again, two ACC losses tournament. for them. Yeah, in the past three weeks, North Carolina hosting South Carolina State. Ooh, is South Carolina going to go to North Carolina? Oh, what that would be fascinating. They're not in the same conference. Iowa State going to North Carolina. That's wow. fascinating. Obviously, given this Iowa State team, it would have been so interesting to see them play NC State in the kickoff region. And obviously, unfortunately, they weren't able to travel there. But you know, they had the best fall of their uh, of their program history and have been right up there. You know, with the Baylor's and uh, the. Uh, I'm blanking on a team here and Kansas played Oklahoma, and Kansas and played Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State tough as well in the Big 12. So that's a tough three. Uh, who's the two then? Yeah. If Iowa State's here, is it going to be South Carolina? Oh my wow. God. I love this wow. region right off the way. Let's rock and roll. Hamner, Ackley, and the gang are wow. headed to Chapel Hill. And man, this South one. Carolina team played really well down the season's home stretch and obviously they have one of the top freshmen if not the top freshman in the country in Sarah Hamner and you know again they they've played the the A&M's extraordinarily close the Auburn's the Georgia's that's that's a fun matchup folks right away to kick things off Iowa State South Carolina is a first round match Jay that's what we're talking about I mean those are two just on the 32 cusps right I mean Chris where are they in the projections they're Florida, yeah, I'll look, Florida State being in this region tells me it's Florida, Florida held the 16, yeah. but Good we'll call. see. No, I think you're right. I think that yeah. definitely means Florida, unless this is Auburn, but it's not going to be Auburn because no, no. that so would mean. Where were you asking projections, Jay? Well, Iowa State and South Carolina, I think those are a, a two, three seed that are very close in ranking. And FIU, by the way, in over Wisconsin. So, Chris, you were – or maybe Wisconsin jumped someone else, but we see FIU on the board. So, Wisconsin looks like they will just miss out on the NCAA tournament. Wow. 
So that's Iowa ridiculous. State was that's 32. Ridiculous. So Iowa State technically should have been the last two. South Carolina at 28, definitely a two seed. So, wow. so yeah, that's that's we must maybe be missing a match or yeah, but because Iowa State really would have been another two. So somebody behind them like Georgia Tech, maybe for travel reasons, gets pulled up to a two. We'll see. It's a brutal first round for both of them. And Florida holds on to that number 16 seed again, Florida, Florida State, FIU and Florida and Florida State. They're like, do we have to play again? Like, haven't we done this matchup enough this season? But they will be playing again this season. Your number nine seed is Miami. So that that's probably, I bet rank. that means Pepperdine held at eight. Interesting. And so obviously this Miami team has had a really good season. And you look for the Miami women who certainly are going to be that much more interesting next season when they bring in a former number one player in the country, Alexa Noel. But I mean, this Miami team has done it all. And you look for them again by record overall this season, Miami 17 and five overall nine and one at home. And yeah, you know, they, you look at who the, the loss at Notre Dame five, two, that's a match they'd want back certainly, but the other losses four, three to Duke and, you know, four, three to NC state and, you know, four, three to USC. I don't think there's a early in the season. I don't think there's a single bad loss on their resume. And so certainly deserving of this and again, beat Duke in the regular season as well. And so Miami, your number nine seed, interesting, Alabama going to travel to them as a number three seed. Who's your number two seed going to be here, Chris, you got a projection for me? UCF. Yeah, that's a good call there. And indeed it is the UCF Knights. Jay beats him to the punch. UCF, your number two seed there. I mean, that UCF team's got experience, right? And, they were Sweet 16 last year. This Miami team, a relatively new group competing at this stage. That's a fun match. USC. Wow. Headed to your number eight seed, and that's going to be probably Pepperdine. Pepperdine. So who's going to be the three seed in this region? I Is it going to be – I'm trying to think who's in that range. It can't be a conference opponent, right? You can't play a conference opponent. Right, and round. I think both LMU and UCSB – snuck in should sneak in as two seeds yeah and so it's san diego state in the end as a three so usc gonna be traveling this is then pepperdine does hold on to that number eight seed which obviously given the up and downs for this pepperdine waves team massive victory for them to be able to play those first three rounds at home last year it was stanford this year it's the usc trojans who are coming over to malibu to take on your number eight seed pepperdine so jay you look at this top quarter your reaction I mean, Iowa State, South Carolina, that's a brutal first round for both of them and a tough second round for for North Carolina. Um, So that's tough. You know, Miami Pepperdine's interesting. Look, I mean, USC Pepperdine, Pepperdine playing host to to kind of the the elite of the Pac-12 these past few years. That's going to be a tough match. uh, Yeah, that's a brutal region. Yeah. For uh for just freaking North uh for North Carolina in general at the same time, it's a good wake up call because it's going you know, it's only going to get tougher as you go through. And again, given the struggles this North Carolina team had at the end of the season, I think they're ready to be tested, ready to flex those muscles right away. Virginia, your number five seed, and certainly for the Virginia Cavaliers making the ACC conference tournament final, beating North Carolina along the way. I mean, we know what they've got up top in Navarro, in Subash, but it's been the depth of this team that's brought them up uh, the rankings of late. And Jay, one of our big early season debates, you got mad at me for liking Duke, liking Virginia as much as I did. Again, I feel pretty good now. 
You got Oklahoma right. A little revisionist history, but sure, I'll give you Virginia and Duke um, because I definitely did get Oklahoma right. Um, But yeah, yeah, I mean, look, this Virginia team has come on super strong, right? They had that rough weekend without Travinsky. um, Then they played Miami. And ever since that Miami loss, the only loss was in the ACC final to Duke. So they're hitting their stride. The revelations at the bottom of the lineup are coming in big for them. Yeah, and they're playing host to Youngstown State. Are they going to get Princeton or no? No, no Princeton here. Wow, Princeton's that's two. There's I know, no but way Princeton's a two. Oh, it is Princeton oh. as the two. As the two. Wow, isn't uh, that a little much? <laughs> yeah, aren't they ranked in the forties right now? Yeah, they're like forty-eight, I think, yeah. or forty-five in the projected rankings. 40, Forty-four in the projected. Yeah, and their wow. losses early in this season, of course, were all wow. good losses, but eleven and ten Princeton. Oh, so- UCLA is is Cal going to get dropped? No, they can't. Be, they can't. So this is going to be Oklahoma State here. Then I assume as your number twelve. Yeah, because yeah, that's, and that's, so I'm assuming UCLA is going to Oklahoma State, and they wow. have Arkansas first. That is yeah, and Arkansas I'm to circling. Oklahoma State makes sense. This has got to be Oklahoma man. State's region. Is it crazy that I like the like, first of all? I think I like the depth for Arkansas better than I do for UCLA. And top three wise, I mean, oh man, those are fun battles uh, all the way top to bottom. Well, you just feel like Arkansas is a little more battle-tested right now. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly the more calloused of the two groups, UCLA, Arkansas, right up there with South Carolina uh, as your most fun first-round matches. But, yep, it is Oklahoma State uh, as your number 12 seed. Oklahoma State going to play host to UCLA, Arkansas. Ought to be Georgia's region next, I assume. Or Auburn. Georgia or Auburn. But Georgia beat Auburn, right? So. Oh, yeah. I thought Georgia might be 11. You're right. That will be Cal. Uh, yeah, so this should be Georgia here at the number 13 spot. And it looks like, if I had to guess, Jay. Oh, it's I'm Auburn. Done. Ooh. They so it swapped is. them. 20 and 6 Auburn Tigers, 20 and 5 overall on the season. They did reach, uh, of course, the national indoors. And you look for this Auburn team, uh, 11 and 2 in conference play. Their only loss is 4 3 at the aforementioned South Carolina, then a loss 7 2 Texas AM. Now, they lost their first match at the conference tournament 4 2, but they did beat Georgia 4 3 in their head to head matchup. Looks like that ultimately gives Auburn the leap over Georgia into that number 13 see their host in yep. Jackson State Memphis and who do you guess Chris is there too I don't know I don't know but this is a travel spot no matter what Memphis and Jackson State I had pegged in Could but be this is one of the Pac-12 schools travel team State. Here. yeah or maybe an L or yeah or UCSB who did I have I had I had Arizona State or Kansas let's see what comes up by the way oh Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech oh yes, that's driving distance right yeah yeah but is, are they a two mm-hmm. they've got to be a lower two They could be in the top 32. Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech to Auburn. Michigan. Is. Yeah, yes. Yeah, go, Gruskin. As your number, of course, we're going to whoever the number four seed is, Just, which means who's your number four? Are we going to NC? What, or it's either Texas or Duke. Duke. Michigan's coming to Duke. Really? Well, really? we'll find out. See if we got a Carolina team in the in, that Michigan's playing first here. I mean. Oh. oh. Jeez, Oregon, a complete travel region, maybe. Well, if it's not Duke, it's Texas. But, but I mean, I mean yeah, the four was either the four could very well be happening at Ball State in this region. <laughs> we have no clue. It's a, everybody's traveling, no matter what, in this region. Did they get this one wrong? Do they want I would to try say again? It's tech, 
Texas or Duke, but. How is Georgia Tech above? What are we doing here? Hey, this is a oh, fascinating pins and again. needles. It's wow. Texas. So, Chris, I, I think you need to look into that one. That region makes, I mean, Oregon going there makes sense because Oregon so, goes to Baylor last year. So Duke jumped Texas. Why would Duke jump Texas? And how does Georgia Tech go to Auburn and Michigan goes to Texas? Run me through this, please. Your Big Ten Conference champions and meanwhile, like a middling Georgia well, Tech I team? Mean, so, so Duke's got four top ten wins. Texas only has, well, top nine wins. Texas does have two wins over number ten. Now they've got three because they got Cal twice. Yeah, I don't know. It's let me, I'm I'm looking between Duke and Texas because I mean, this was going to be this was slightly better on the wins for Duke, but not oh, significant. They're so close. Why would you? And the losses are far worse for Duke. Far worse. I mean, a Florida State loss at 35. Texas's worst loss. They've only got one loss outside the top six. Are we uh, sure the Ohio State Michigan result is factored in here? Are we sure they were factored into the rankings? Because I ran this a lot, Chris. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. It's in. It's it's in there. That's. I don't understand the Duke over Texas at all. Yeah, that's that is definitely an odd one. That's again something we'll have to discuss here. And certainly, again, you look at the margins in terms of the seating. Will these make the biggest of differences? Well, four versus three. I mean, Texas, North Carolina. Now your semifinal, and certainly uh, your number three seed. We imagine now will be Duke, and so they'll take on Oklahoma. That's a fun national indoor hypothetical semifinal rematch. There's a lot of tennis to be played between now and then. But again, your number one seed, North Carolina, four seed, Texas, your number five, uh, your number five seed in the end. I'm blanking. Who is the number five seed here? Virginia. Yeah, Virginia. Virginia, Thank you. And then, of course, your number uh, eight seed in the end being Pepperdine. Number three seed is the Duke Blue Devils, who ultimately entered this tournament as hot as any team in the country. Duke 19-3 and overall uh, ACC Conference Tournament champions, the victory over North Carolina in uh, the regular season finale as well. And look, Kelly Chen, Chloe Beck, Georgia Drummy, quarterfinalists, Margarita Billiken, they were quarterfinalists last year as a nucleus. And certainly the freshman, Jackson Coleman, they've all fit in well this season. This Duke team is hot. There's no denying they're worthy of a top five seed, despite perhaps the seemingly light 19-3 and record. Uh, but Duke's as hot as any team in the country, Jay, entering the tournament. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree at all. They're deserving of a top five seed. I just think it's weird the logic on flipping Duke and Texas versus some of the other lack of flippings we've seen. Uh, given the margins were so thin, the resumes are fairly similar. Duke has a worse loss. Um, it's perplexing. It are we going to see Tennessee here maybe as the well, two? Furman in this region, not surprising at all. And that is a frisky number three seed. I bet we do see the Tennessee Volunteers here. That does feel like a proper pairing. And in the end, it is is Old Dominion. Wow. Again, that is an experienced team. They qualified for the national indoors. Certainly, startup Sava versus Chloe Beck is a must-see TV at that number one spot. If ODU can take a doubles point, maybe, maybe there's a pathway there. You upset the freshman, and then you hope your senior has a day. I mean, by the way, Old Dominion Furman's a really fun first-round matchup as well, Jay. Yeah, absolutely. Those were two teams that we were highlighting early in the season, right? Um, who are having good starts this season. Obviously, Furman has continued winning their conference. Um, Old Dominion did the same. 
True. So that, this has to be the Georgia region now with Wake going 100% there. 100% yeah. Wake Forest. So, in a, go ahead, Jay. So they flipped Auburn over Georgia? Yes. By the head-to-head, it looks like. But it's one-to-one no, one head-to-head. Georgia owned the head-to-head. Oh. Auburn did, won or, regular did, season. No, Georgia won regular season. No, did they Auburn go one-and-one one overall? They uh, Auburn beat Georgia 4-3 in the regular season. That one I'm Oh, oh that, you're right. That was the Alabama swing. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't think oh. Auburn played Georgia more than. Oh once no, you're right. Yeah, that was it. They, yeah, Auburn. I, I have that yeah. backwards. Yeah, Auburn yeah. won the head to head. That's why they oh, stopped. So yeah, and they say my brain has slowed down. <laughs> Nevertheless, Northwestern. They were going to play in the SEC tournament, but yeah. But by, by the way, Northwestern. Exactly, that's what it was. Northwestern Wake Forest is a really fun first round matchup as yeah. well, and this is number fourteen seeded Georgia, who is jumped by Auburn based on that head to head victory for the Tigers, but. Georgia, your number 14 seed, uh, again, playing host to Wake Forest Northwestern. Right now, Jay, who are you picking, Wake Forest or Northwestern? Wake Forest. And this Wake should be the Cal region coming, right? And I'll tell you what, with Wake Forest, how as good as they are at doubles, a Georgia team, how healthy is Liam Ma entering yeah. postseason play? That is an interesting, interesting matchup, of course, as Chris alluded to, your number 11 seed in the end is Cal. So other than that Duke flop and whatever was going on with Michigan – um, it does feel like they stuck pretty close to the rankings here, Chris. Yeah, I'm with Jay. I'm still, I, I'm, I mean, I'm searching, trying to figure out what, you know, what, what went into that, uh, into that Duke, Texas. I mean, they both won conference tournaments, right? Yep. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's an interesting I, flop. But it feels like Ruskin, they're going by the book on some of the seeds with the exception of the Duke flop, but they seems like, like the Princeton at two, for example, right. They're kind of throwing out some of the non-top 16 seed rules here. Yeah. But, and then not doing so at other places. Um, and well, believe me again, I mentioned this early on in the show, the next two, three days, we're going to have answers for all of you. We'll have draw preview tomorrow. Myself and Jay doing the women's side Wednesday, myself, Chris, and hopefully Matt for the men's side. And then Thursday, our mailbag to uh, put a bow on this regular season, but number 11 seed Cal playing host to Texas tech LMU, who has certainly given a bunch of California schools nightmares here this season and Northern Arizona, ultimately Tennessee going to be having, this has to be NC state, right? As your number six seed here, we kind of see traveling there and, yeah. Uh, again, Tennessee, 15 and nine overall, which means we're going to see Texas A&M at seven, seven. That is nuts. Straight by the rankings. Like we said. Okay. So A&M, but with the exception of Duke, right? Yeah. yeah they swapped <laughs> Duke, Texas, but every, right. everything else has pretty much been, uh, by the books. How is Michigan going to Texas? <laughs> Someone is going to have to explain this to me. Where else uh, would they go though? They're not driving to swap them with Georgia tech. Like why to to Auburn? Yeah. Seating wise, competitive balance wise. Is that not the better play? Yeah. Well, they they obviously did not take any integrity of the draw in here with them being only the second team. out. seating committee with no integrity, Chris, you can't, (laughs) that must be hyperbole. Um, No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I was putting them in both ones. I draw, I put Oklahoma state, which is still like five teams into the backside. And ideally you'd like to have them in the first, you know, three or so, which would have been Florida, Stanford, or Georgia. So yeah, they they definitely got a rough draw for being the only the second team out. Well, we were correct. It is Tennessee playing VCU, then William Mary, NC State. I'll tell you what, Tennessee against NC State is a fascinating matchup because those are two teams who you never know how they're going to get to four points. They're both pretty good at doubles. There's a lot of depth there. That is a second round matchup. I am circling as one potential upset alert. But yeah, 31 AM. 
Haven't lost since February. Of course, no top 10 wins. But haven't lost since February. Number seven in our in the seedings. Uh, again, AM right now. Who's I'm trying to think who's left on the board. Who's gonna go they're, they're gonna get Baylor as a two seed, I assume. I was gonna say, is it gonna be Baylor or is it gonna be yeah, or like an SMU? SMU's probably a little too early for SMU. Yeah, I I, assu- I assume Baylor here. Corpus Christi, good. They've this is only gonna be the twelfth time these two teams have played. Um, no, AM gonna take on AM Corpus Christi. That's your number four seed in the region. Number three seed in the region going to ultimately be as we wait here. And again, we will have more breakdown and analysis for all of you over the course of the next week on our Great Shot podcast feed and live on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Appreciate all of you who have joined in. This was very much an impromptu selection show. I was driving up to Madison on Friday with Dalton and you know, Jay and I had talked about it early in the week and I was like, Hey, should we do this? And he was like, yeah, we're doing it. And then we called West off and he decided we're doing it. Interesting. Washington versus Baylor as a two, three matchup is a very, very fun one. Good call by uh, whomever it was that said, uh, yeah, SMU didn't, women didn't get it. I know Jay, I realized it as soon as I, I got a text from someone. I realized that as soon as I said it, um, apologies for wow, that. People Good are keeping you on, Baylor. on your toes. They always are. Um, and so I knew it as soon as I said it. Look, it's been two hours. Give Chris and I some a break here as we go through this live show. I don't think I've gone to the water bottle once, so cut me some slack. So Washington who's 10 Baylor's here? Fun. It's got to be, again, chalk. So it's going to be... 10 should uh, be Ohio State. Yeah, Ohio State, which, yeah, okay. Yeah. That checks out. Then that Vanderbilt goes Andy. there. Tra- travel-wise, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And so Vanderbilt here, your number two seed. And I'll tell you what. Commodores averted disaster with the ending to their season. And after dropping that doubles point at Tennessee, you just thought like, okay, maybe it is time to write this team off. Nevertheless, they come back to win that match. They ultimately end the season 16 and nine and, you know, knocked out four, two by AM in the sec quarterfinals. That's a really good match. And so this Vanderbilt team going to take on a Xavier program. That's been sneaky, consistent over the course of the past five years, Illinois state, your four seed. Yeah, this is 100%. The Ohio State Buckeyes, who, of course, an undefeated Big Ten regular season, have a victory over Pepperdine, went two and one at the national indoors as well, beat Oklahoma State, albeit a shorthanded Oklahoma State, beat Tennessee. They've got a very nice resume, but their loss to Michigan in the Big Ten uh, schedule in general precluding them probably from a top eight seed despite their four, three losses to NC state and Duke. We know how good this team can be. They are your number 10 seed. I mean, Jay, again, reaction goes to you here. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Ohio state did miss out on that top eight seed from not winning, which makes sense. Um, I think they would have gotten the flip uh, over Pepperdine. So this is tough. I mean, looking forward to Texas A&M potentially playing Ohio State. We saw how this Ohio State team play Texas super tough in the round of 16 last year. We could get something very similar again this year with Ohio State going on the road and facing A&M. That would be a fun matchup, certainly. And I feel like Ohio State Vanderbilt, was it two years ago we saw? I'm trying to, or was that Vanderbilt Northwestern? That's what it was. That was well, that, like that 4-3 sloppy, grimy match for yeah, the NCAAs. In the round of 32. Right. Wasn't that, was that Vandy at Northwestern? Uh, I, I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was Vandy place. at Ohio state. It was Vandy at Ohio yeah. state, right? This was yeah. last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. Shout out brain. Let's go. It still works. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a fun rematch is yep. what I'm trying to say, Jay. 
And so yeah. in the end, we they stick with the script. Pac-12 champions Stanford do sneak in as a 15 seed. And let's be clear, this is not the 2016, you know, 12 to 17 range 15th seeded Stanford. This is a Stanford team that certainly vulnerable. And it's going to be interesting. Who's going to be? Is this going to be UCSB? I think so. It's got to be, right? Yeah. So, Non-conference. Missouri State, yeah, the they're as the four. I imagine. So, I agree. Uh, that's a, that's, and, that's a rematch. Denver yet? Maybe Denver and UCSB? Stanford lost to this UCSB team at home. So that would be a very spicy rematch. Well, there. Yeah, and you look here again, it is UCSB, but they're the three. That's the three. Yeah, they should be a two. Kansas. Oh, that's a wow. Man, that's, a, that's a tough region. That's, that's very tough. That's a, couple, that's a couple of twos. That's a that's yeah, a one, two, what, two, four. Give me give me Kansas's top two against anyone. And so certainly Connie Mayapafanova, the talented freshman for Stanford, gonna have their hands tested, whether it's UCSB wow. or Kansas, Arizona State headed to Oklahoma. Wow. Arizona State's arguably the hottest team in the country. Yeah. And again, uh the Sun Devils have been playing exceptional tennis. They're a number two seed here. Ultimately, they're headed to oh. So Talk what about happened? Not caring about integrity. Yeah, we're gonna have some things to say on tomorrow's <laughs> show, Jay. Yeah, and yeah, on clearly, this show. is this is why everybody tried to tell us, oh, you got to protect the integrity of the draw, and we said, man, it doesn't seem like that ever happens. It always seems like the the travel matrix wins out in the end. Every year I'm surprised by it. And that's why we spent 20 minutes at the top explaining the rules, folks, so that you would be prepared for this sort of chaos. And shout out to the professor for covering it at all. And by the way, Arizona taking on San Diego, that a lot of fun first round matches, folks, and that the winner of that's going to face Oklahoma. I mean, if we get Arizona State, Oklahoma, like, I'll tell you what, Oklahoma, obviously are a tier one team. You think they can beat anyone? We'll be surprised if we don't see them in Champaign. But you know who has the sort of belief that can actually match Oklahoma right now is this freaking Arizona State Sun Devil team that, again, has beaten Cal, has beaten UCLA, has beaten Stanford, has beaten freaking everyone down the season's home stretch. As you see on the screen, first round, second round matches all going to happen this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Of course, Super Regional is going to be the Friday, Saturday after that. And then we get to Champaign on May 20th for the quarterfinals on the team event, all of the individual action. Now, we do have one more guest awaiting us in the weight reading room. Let's bring him in now. We're going to go back to the men's side of the draw as we are about to be joined by one of our friends here on our Cracked Racket shows. Of course, a man you know best, and this is quite the angle of him. At some point, he will realize he's on camera. This is one of those moments on the Zoom where you don't, you know, you log in and you're like, oh, Seven I forgot foot to turn Brazilian. my audio on. Yeah, we see. By the way, that's a good angle. For Coach Goffey. He looks wonderful. I don't know if we can do anything right now, Super Producer Daniel Westoff, but we want to bring it on Coach Goffey, talk about the decision, obviously, for this South Carolina team. We can sneak this in now while he's not there. We'll go. <laughs> this is great. Um, I'll ask the first question. Chris, Jay, obviously, I want you guys to jump in afterwards. So, Chris, go right away with question number two. Jay, obviously, final question will go to you here. But at some point, we will have Coach Goffey noticing us. I promise you there. And as soon as we do, we will get to that conversation. Uh, for now, we're in speaker mode. So, Chris, I want to go to you here uh, as we look at uh, – let's just talk reaction. I got, or, I, sorry, I'm not going to go to you, Chris. I want to go Jay first. Your reaction to that women's draw. 
Well, just at the end there, that's probably the worst draw Oklahoma could ask for. Arizona State's probably the worst two seed you want. And Arizona and Stanford is a 15 is probably like the worst type of 15 you want. So that's brutal for Oklahoma, who's number two seed for the first time in history. And it's going to be it's going to be a good test for the Sooners. Absolutely. Like joining us now. Well, I'm sad we missed the, the final circle. Like we don't get to be in the chant. Nevertheless, joining us now on the line, a returning champion here on our Cracked Racket shows. It's South Carolina men's tennis head coach Josh Goffey. Coach, welcome on to our live show. Number 10 yeah. seed overall. Your reaction. There you go. Um, look, we're good with it. You know, the committee had a whatever they were going to do, they did, and so we ended up 10. I thought there was a, maybe a little bit of a hope we could sneak in on an eight spot, but it is what it is. But, uh, look, we're happy to be playing. and happy. Look, it's a heck of a year for us, and to be to be fighting for an eight, nine, ten spot, you know, we will uh, we'll take it. Yeah, so so coach, looking forward to the to the tournament. You know, I'm I'm always I, I'm a big fan, obviously, especially all the SEC programs, but you in particular. We uh, Thanks. you know, and I've been somewhat critical this year of of the the bottom end of the lineup, saying the top four is really good. Some you know, we got to get some production out of five and six. But then we saw the last match in the SEC tournament. No, no Rafi, no Rafa playing at four. What's the state? You know, we healthy. We good to see. We're going to see him in the tournament. Oh yeah, we're good to go, man. All right, yeah, we're healthy. So it was a it was a little bit of a freak situation, and and shockingly enough, as soon as we walked off the court against uh, a, a great Auburn team that day, we get the news from our our medical staff that Raf's been cleared. So terrible luck, but at the same time, you know those guys played a better match than us that day, hands down. Yeah, for sure, and it is what it is. But yeah, we got a healthy squad. Everybody's ready to go, and we got a tough little regional here. Yeah, no Coach, doubt. speaking of that tough regional, how do you get the team focused on this weekend rather than look at the, the draws ahead that just got released? Oh, geez. Are you kidding me? Uh, well, I mean, it's, I think we have Pepperdine. And it's proven that they can beat anybody. Um, you know, and then, yeah, I mean, it's, I, think, I think the draw, I love the fact that Washington is coming. I love the fact that Pepperdine's coming. It's, we don't have the usual suspects coming in. It's, it's, it's a brand new week. It's, it's easy to get excited for a weekend full of new competition, you know? So, um, our guys, we just had, had you guys in the huddle there. I'm sorry. You guys didn't get to get the full audio, but, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was good. I liked the vibe from our guys. They were, they were excited. They, they are ready to go. And we put a hard week of practice behind us and, uh, gave the weekend off. And today was a good start to the week, but we needed a little direction. You know, it's hard to practice when you don't know who you're about to go after. And, and so the Gamecocks are, are ready to go for the weekend, I think. Love to hear one last fun one before I let you go. You have a brand new indoor facility you're ready to show off. Now, Washington's played some indoor action, but the boys from Malibu are coming to town. Will, will there be some rain dancing <laughs> from you, Coach Goffey, over the next couple of days? Do you want to play those guys indoors? You know, you're ready to show it off and just to get to host the region, get two more home matches. What does that mean to you in the program? Yeah, look, wherever, wherever, whenever, whoever, you know what I mean? It's like we we love playing at home. We've got a heck of a, a fan base. Uh, they've supported us all year. They push us through the big moments. Um, I'm excited. You know, Adam's a great friend of mine. Respect his program a ton. Matt Anger's a legend. You know, Hardy Judge, South Carolina State, those guys, these, these class act coaches. So to me, it's like a celebration of the year for all of us. We're going to all come in. We're going to, you know, throw down the uh, gloves and we'll get after it together. And hopefully we can hug it out afterwards. So. We're excited. You and Adam, two out of three sets right now. Who wins? 
<laughs> if I can make it past the first three games, I don't know. That, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the test. That's the question to ask. Well, we'll go no ad yeah. and fast four. Uh, we'll keep it really brief uh, for Ooh. you guys. But, yeah, wow. again, Coach Goffey, yeah. uh, appreciate you taking the time. Congratulations to you and the guys, obviously, on a fantastic season. We agreed in our projection. Again, two wins over Kentucky, a win over Wake Forest. We thought the double jump was coming. Nevertheless, just a little fuel of the fire, right? That's right. That's right. You know what? We prefer that than to be uh, to be padded up. We don't do very well when people tell us that we're great. So yeah, we're excited well, for the uh, the seating we got. All right. Well, then when I rip on you guys moving forward, it's just for motivation. Know that. It's because you gave <laughs> Please, me the keep permission. Please bringing the disrespect. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, like, is is Daniel Rodriguez the third best number one singles player in the region? You've got DeJong. You've got Shedak. Like, there, people are saying, Coach, people are saying. <laughs> Listen, listen, keep disrespecting the guy that's only lost four matches in two years. Let's go. Let's keep doing it. Let's keep doing it. You know, he he could, he literally could be the most underrated number one player in the history, in the history of, of the sport. So we're excited. You know, look, he's ready to go. Um, And, you know, like I said, look, that fuels us. That's where we come from. And we, we enjoy when people don't give us the credit. So we're ready to go. I love to hear it. I also say not enough Tobys left in the world. So excited to see Toby Samuel, the gang, obviously all out there, healthy, I, Coach Goffey. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. I, I got one final one, Gruskin. Is a rule going to be around yeah. for the ter- for the weekend? <laughs> you know, he just walked by. I was, that's the guy I was just giving a fist bump to. Oh. Um, <laughs> a rule a rule, a rule, will be around. You will hear him through the audio, no doubt. No oh. doubt, yeah. For those that don't know, Aruram Sriram used to work there with uh, Coach Goffey. The loudest voice yeah. you will ever hear at a tennis match. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. to hear it. Well, again, Coach Goffey, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Wishing you and the guys luck in your preparation and looking forward to seeing what, you know, a little fuel in the belly does for the Gamecocks. Let's go. Thanks for having us on, man. Yeah, of course. Take care, Appreciate Coach. Yep, Later. absolutely. Bye. So with all of that, and again, a huge thank you to South Carolina men's tennis head coach Josh Goffey for taking the time to join us. Beautiful angle of him, obviously, to start the interview for all of us joining on the live show. With that said, there it is, folks, your 2022 NCAA men's and women's brackets. Now, again, we could go another four hours breaking down each of the draws, each of the regions, what we're watching for, the match calculuses over the course of the next weekend. But instead, we're going to do that over the course of the week here. And again, Tuesday night is going to be Jay and myself breaking down all the Division One women's NCAA draw. We'll start that show as we always do, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Then Wednesday, not Thursday, Wednesday night will be our men's draw preview. That will be a tentative 7 p.m. Eastern time. Chris, does that work for you? I'm I'm yours, Gruskin, as always. Yeah. I literally said, I did text you. I'm like, I need you this week. I was like, clear the calendar. <laughs> I was like, this is the week. Um, Yeah, so Wednesday going to be that show. And then hopefully, Jay, you can join us. We'll find the time on Thursday. We'll announce that. We're going to have a mailbag show. All of your questions, those final things you want to hear. As I get a call, I apologize from, how do I mute that? From Andrew Fenty right now. I got to explain to him what the draw looks like. So that'll be what I'm doing for the rest of my afternoon. Andrew, if you're watching the show, I'm sorry. I swear I'm going to pick up momentarily. Um, But again, Thursday, mailbag to answer all of your final questions before the NCAA tournament begins on Friday. And yeah, it's going to be a really fun weekend of action. With that in mind, let's go final reactions to all of it. Uh, I want to start with you, Jay. Uh, You know, there's always 
logic that uh, makes you question, um, right? So it's like different, uh, some illogical stuff, it feels like. So I'm excited to break it down. I need to look at all these draws, all 64 laid out, uh, see see what the through lines are. But but look, they're here, right? Like whatever they are, the draws are here. Um, very rarely does the draw, to, well, very rarely do the early rounds determine the, the eventual champion. So looking forward to breaking it down with you tomorrow night. Um, it's going to be a lot of good first rounds given some of the, the peculiarities they had in the two or three seats. Yeah. I mean, let's do this quickly. Most shocking things of the day, middle Tennessee 16 and yeah. NC state as the host is probably number one. Honest to God, Ohio State over Michigan is two. I know I'm extraordinarily biased, so if you want to call me out there, tell me I'm wrong. After, like the women's seed was pretty chalk. I would. In the I'm end. more surprised at Duke over Texas than I am Ohio State over Michigan. Duke over Texas on the women's side than uh, than Ohio, Ohio State, State Michigan on the men's Michigan. side. Yeah, just because we called that out as a potential to. I mean, I know you're surprised, but because that point differential was so big, it was like an eight point jump that even though they own the head-to-head, such a big gap was possible that they weren't going to do it. Jay, your three biggest surprises? Yeah, Middle Tennessee, Duke, and Texas for sure. Um, I mean, San Diego going to USC, uh, Arizona going was, to yeah, – where the Arizona men go? I'm North Carolina. Now. Yeah, that's just you know, a great freaking match. If, if I'm North Carolina, I'm not happy that NC State gets the host yeah. uh, to, of Middle Tennessee when I beat, middle, when I beat NC State twice can we all just agree though another great investment by matt stokowiak to be in north carolina this weekend for what is unequivocally i don't care california people get mad at me north carolina is the state to be in this weekend there is so much good tennis over the next three days there yeah i I actually think that those are two separate surprises there for middle tennessee i mean one the big surprise that middle tennessee got the 16 seed but secondarily, secondary to that is the fact that they aren't hosting, which I haven't been able to get a confirmation back yet. I can only assume that, and for the folks that don't know, you have to put in a bid, a proposal and a bid packet to do the hosting. I, you know, until we hear otherwise, I can only assume that Middle Tennessee didn't put one in and hence the two seed ends up getting to host the region. Can I give my qualm though? My biggest qualm, you stick to the rankings for just about everything but for the top 16 seeds, then you go to the travel matrix. It's clear that's how it went. Rankings for the top 16, then travel matrix after that. There is a three, uh, excuse me, a, yeah, a just about three-point gap between Arizona and Middle Tennessee. Now, Middle Tennessee beat Arizona, not 4-0, you know, not 7-0. Oh, is a three-point gap truly overcome by a single head-to-head and that's the only instance when you're going to apply head-to-head logic like what are we doing here they did beat him 4-0 didn't they oh it was four i thought it was four two am i wrong here i <laughs> thought it was sure four it was two in the blue gray. let me do i'll let me do my research here middle tennessee <laughs> against arizona here i got i hope I it think wasn't chris is right that these are two separate things but they're kind of compounded by each other right because why make middle tennessee the 16 seed if they're not going to host like, why go through these, like, jumps good call. It was if they're 4-0. not even going to host? Yeah, I just – good call by Chris. It was 4-0. I just – I don't understand it. You're right. This is just, like, what – this is well, just, I, like, I, making I, a statement to, like, no, we followed closely. See, we're rewarding Middle Tennessee. It's like, but but you didn't follow closely because this is the only reward you gave. Like, if you're going to tinker, tinker. I hate that – sorry. I hate the half ass stuff. 
And I know as a Wolverine, this is probably the manifestation of that. But like, I just hate the inconsistency in the logic. What I'm more interested in knowing is I'm okay with them slotting Middle Tennessee at 16 if if they went through their normal process of doing rankings and under whatever circumstance they decided that was going to happen, they came up with middle Tennessee at 16. What I want to know is once they did that and then said, okay, but they can't host for whatever reason they can't host. Did they then, did they then sort of pick the two seed for that region based off middle Tennessee's region or based off, you know, could somewhere close that they could go or just saying, no, we're going to take the next best available team that we think it should be and put them as the two because they can host and then base the rest of the selections on that. Now, I know they're fairly close. Well, actually, it's not. I mean, Nashville over to North, you know, is still a fairly decent way across. But but yeah, I'd be interested to hear. I don't know that we ever will, but it would be nice to hear how that played out uh, in addition to why the heck isn't Middle Tennessee hosting. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I mean, look, we're going to break it all down over the course of the next few days, so I don't want to waste all of the bullets now. Chris, any final thoughts? I didn't actually offer you the chance. No, I mean, that, those are the big ones for me, really. Yeah. Two hours on the mark, folks, again, as it's that time. NCAA tournament going to get started Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Again, we will have live shows for you every night over the course of the next three days to help prepare you for all of Friday's action. Jay, Chris, hopefully Maddie, myself, going to steer you through everything as it's that time. Postseason play, home stretch of the season begins. Of course, a shout out as always to super producer Daniel Westoff, who I'm not kidding. I told him probably 26 hours ago at this point, hey, can we do a live show tomorrow? And of course, he made it all possible. A massive thank you to head coach, head coaches Brett Macy, Josh Goffey for joining us. I apologize. I wasn't able to get any women's coaches on. It's just a lot of them right now trying to find out where things are and everything on short notice. Again, try to speak with more of them over the course of the week as well. Of course, next week, I'm going to shoot for it once again. Press row, try to interview all 32 of the coaches remaining as we approach the round of six. And again, we'll have you covered here at Crack Rackets for all things covering this 2022 postseason. With that said, for my fantastic co-hosts, John Parsons, Chris Hallioris, our guests, coaches Brett Macy and Josh Goffey, super producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision and Turnham from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Jay, it's a great shot pod. Just so you know, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Gentlemen, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. Great shot. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thank you, as always, for tuning in.